1: You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. First up, a look at the life and complicated legacy of Queen Elizabeth II after she passed away last night.
0: Right, so what everybody is saying, of course, is that this is the ending of the second Elizabethan era because Thursday evening, Queen Elizabeth II, who is, of course, the longest-serving monarch of the United Kingdom, passed away in Balmoral, Scotland. Uh, By now, I think the the bare bones of her life and the story are well-known, but she was 96. She reigned for 70 years um, after her uncle abdicated, her father took over and passed away young. So this, I think started to become known because early yesterday, uh, Buckingham Palace issued a statement that um, the Queen was under medical supervision at Balmoral after doctors became concerned for their health and it was widely reported that there were clear pressing concerns um, for her health which were more explicitly put than before. Before this, they were always talking about uh, issues, persistent issues with mobility. So a state funeral is expected in the next two weeks but her son, King Charles III, has succeeded her He will officially be proclaimed king tomorrow. So it is a huge and long
1: legacy, right? Um, I mean, uh, third longest reigning monarch in the world, longest reigning monarch in uh, the UK. During her reign, it's been said numerous times, she's seen 15 prime ministers all the way from Winston Churchill to Liz Truss very, very recently. Uh, In fact, I think one of the last pictures seen of the Queen was with her and Liz Truss.
0: Yeah, and Winston Churchill knew her as a baby. So,
1: you know, just the scope of history. Uh, And just to bring things a little closer to home, we've actually had Queen Elizabeth... Come to our shores over the years a number of times, but most notably post independence, she was here in 1972 with the Duke of Edinburgh to accompany Princess Anne, and uh, that was a state uh, accompanied by Princess Anne for a state visit to Malaysia. Uh, again in 1989, um, she visited for the Commonwealth Head of Government meeting, and finally in 1998, she was here for the closing ceremony of the Commonwealth Games. Uh, a couple of pictures have been going viral, particularly of her riding on the newly minted LRTs
0: at that time, which I thought were quite cute. Oh, there were also ones of her rubber tapping. Uh, I yeah, didn't I see mean, that one. There have been loads of them going around. But um, I mean, we're we're saying this and we're sounding like this. Well, I think it's also important to acknowledge and the messages are already starting to come in that the, the issue with talking about the Queen is that it's complicated, um, to put it simply, because she she kind of embodies many different things. And maybe the word embody is key, right? Um, Because in her body, in her personage, um, she represents the crown of England, the United Kingdom and the British Empire. And that's a heavy thing to bear. So while on the one hand, you have people who talk about her like a mother and a wife, mother of the nation, um, also talking about her famous monochrome, bright outfits, and handbags, her hats, yes. Um, All the iconography that made her so well-known worldwide um, and so relatable in some ways. There's also the fact that in others, she's larger than life and larger than life in a way that people find on the one hand, complicated, on the other hand, deeply problematic and violent. And these are some of the the words and phrases, I think, that have been used. Yes, because she essentially
1: straddles the two uh, empire eras, right? colonial power to numerous nations gaining independence. And so verily, I think there is this complicated relationship with her for many people. And this can be generational as well uh, as someone who they hold dear as a leader to look up to, uh, but also as someone whose shackles to throw off. And again, there's the layer of someone being both a person in themselves, as well as the face of and the representation of a power. So Lots to unpack, lots to talk about when we talk about what is really a complicated legacy, a very long life. Uh, we will be speaking very shortly with Simon Soon, senior lecturer in the Faculty of Creative Arts at University of Malaya. But let us know how are you feeling about the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, tweet us at BFM Radio.
0: Right, so what everybody is saying, of course, is that this is the ending of the second Elizabethan era because Thursday evening, Queen Elizabeth II, who is, of course, the longest-serving monarch of the United Kingdom, passed away in Balmoral, Scotland. Uh, By now, I think the the bare bones of her life and the story are well-known, but she was 96. She reigned for 70 years um, after her uncle abdicated, her father took over and passed away young. So... This, I think, started to become known because early yesterday, uh, Buckingham Palace issued a statement that um, the Queen was under medical supervision at Balmoral after doctors became concerned for their health. And it was widely reported that there were clear pressing concerns um, for her health, which were more explicitly put than before. Before this, they were always talking about uh, issues, persistent issues with mobility. So a state funeral is expected in the next two weeks, but her son, King Charles III, has succeeded her. He will officially be proclaimed king tomorrow. So
1: it is a huge and long legacy, right? Um, I mean, uh, third longest reigning monarch in the world, longest reigning monarch in uh, the UK. During her reign, it's been said numerous times, she's seen 15 prime ministers all the way from Winston Churchill to Liz Truss very, very recently. Uh, In fact, I think one of the last pictures seen of the Queen was with her and Liz Truss.
0: Yeah, and Winston Churchill knew her as a baby, so you know, just the scope of history.
1: <laughs> and just to bring things a little closer to home, we've actually had Queen Elizabeth... Um Come to our shores over the years a number of times, but most notably post independence, she was here in 1972 with the Duke of Edinburgh to accompany Princess Anne, and uh, that was a state uh, accompanied by Princess Anne for a state visit to Malaysia. Uh, Again in 1989, um, she visited for the Commonwealth Head of Government meeting, and finally in 1998, she was here for the closing ceremony of the Commonwealth Games. A couple of pictures have been going viral, particularly of her riding on the newly minted LRTs at that time, which I thought were quite cute.
0: Oh, there were also ones of her rubber tapping. Uh, I didn't see that one. There have been loads of them going around. But um, I mean, we're we're saying this and we're sounding like this. Well, I think it's also important to acknowledge and the messages are already starting to come in that the the issue with talking about the Queen is that it's complicated, um, to put it simply, because she she kind of embodies many different things. And maybe the word embody is key, right? Um, Because in her body, in her personage, um, she represents the Crown of England, the United Kingdom and the British Empire. And that's a heavy thing to bear. So while on the one hand, you have people who talk about her like a mother and a wife, mother of the nation, um, also talking about her famous monochrome, bright outfits, her handbags, her hats, yes. Um, All the iconography that made her so well-known worldwide um, and so relatable in some ways. There's also the fact that in others, she's larger than life and larger than life in a way that people find on the one hand, complicated, on the other hand, deeply problematic and violent. And these are some of the the words and phrases, I think, that have been used.
1: Yes, because she essentially straddles the two uh, empire eras, right? Colonial power to numerous nations gaining independence. And so, verily, I think there is this complicated relationship with her for many people, and this can be generational as well, uh, as someone who they hold dear as a leader to look up to, uh, but also as someone whose shackles to throw off. And again, there's the layer of someone being both a person in themselves as well as the face of and the representation of a power. So, Lots to unpack, lots to talk about when we talk about what is really a complicated legacy, a very long life. Uh, We will be speaking very shortly with Simon Soon, Senior Lecturer in the Faculty of Creative Arts at University Malaya. But let us know, how are you feeling about the passing of Queen Elizabeth II? You can call 777 send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Become fabulous millionaires. BFM FM 89.9 It's 5.12, you're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn and we're talking about the passing of Queen Elizabeth II and in a larger sense discussing uh, what her legacy might mean within the context of Britain, but also the rest of the world. And uh, let us know, how are you feeling about the passing of Queen Elizabeth? You can call 777 900 Send us a voice note or WhatsApp us, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now is Simon Soon, Senior Lecturer in the Faculty of Creative Arts at the University of Malaya. Simon, thank you for speaking with us today.
2: Oh, hi, Shamila and Eileen. Thanks for having me on show. Sure. How did you
1: feel upon hearing of the Queen's passing?
2: Well, I've I've actually learned about her passing a little late only after having completed an episode of a Korean TV series, series, Big Big Mouth, that I was watching. So thinking back on that occasion, I think, uh, thinking about what I was doing then, uh, you know, this in itself is an indication of how much we have culturally reorientated ourselves, for better or worse. And perhaps her passing comes with a tinge of wistfulness, at least for someone who, like myself, grew up reading English literature.
1: (laughs) It's been a real mix, right, the reactions both within and outside of the UK. What are some of the main responses that you've seen?
2: Well, it's so diverse and uh, some funny, of course, some very sad. Uh, You know, the commemoration happens, of course, across all social media platforms And I think what it does is it's offering us an opportunity for conversation, some, of course, looking very favourably towards a long reign, while others tend to cast a more critical view of it. From very simple messages of condolences from the everyday people to pundits and royalists espousing pro-monarchical sympathies or anti-colonial activities. Activists calling out for calling out the violent sort of legacies of colonialism. I think all of these uh, represents two extreme spectrum, but in between you get also eccentric claims of very imaginative forms of affinity, such as creation of genealogical charts, uh, tracing a lineage, ancestral lineage to even Prophet Muhammad or even the Egyptian pharaoh. Pharaoh. So. One thing seems certain though, she seems like she's a queen of all seasons and there's, I think, a great desire across various sections of society in the world to try to make sense of this imperial legacy that we will not come to terms with.
0: So she was uh, Britain's longest reigning monarch. Uh, can you talk to us about some of the major events of her rule?
2: Well, um, well, I think Elizabeth II ruled over a declining empire for more than 70 years, right? Uh, you know, which was the later half of the second twentieth century, and nearly the first, nearly the first up to the first quarter of the 21st. So the past 70 years have seen enormous social, political, and cultural changes. And I think anyone interested in this history on the political side of it or the biographical side of it, would do well to watch the long-running Netflix TV series, The Crown La, which I won't to, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I, I probably won't uh, repeat here. But in the context of Malaysia, we have gained our independence from a former imperial empire that once ruled over one-fourth of the world's territories. And since I'm a cultural historian, I only want everyone to just... Be empathetic and imagine this for with me, that she first ascended the trope. When she first ascended the throne radio, the medium which we' speaking <laughs> with each other now was really a new media technology and was the main means in which uh, news gets uh, circulated. She passed away in our digital age today and the technological leap, I think is huge economic, social, cultural implication. One we can only grasp through empathising what it must be like for someone to have seen all this from her vantage. Right? And I don't think it's an easy way to make sense of any of this, partly because we forget history doesn't just carry the weight of facts, it carries also the burden of our emotions.
1: Are there changes or reforms that can be credited to her leadership?
2: Uh, Well, this is a very tricky question, good one. I think uh, Her Majesty did not often express her political opinions very much. Uh, She doesn't really give a lot of interviews and doesn't really make known her personal feelings. And this was in line with Britain's uh, uh, tradition of the constitutional monarchy, right, in which the head of state is supposed to stand above politics. So very little of the reforms or changes can be directly attributed to her. Perhaps I think a more accurate and sympathetic way of thinking about this is how she was simply being there and being present in so many historically significant events over the course of the 20th century, simply just bearing witness to them, right, and to all the changes that happened around us for better or worse. And uh, maybe that way of looking at things might, you know, uh, cast a more accurate, sympathetic portrait of, uh, of how we can understand her role in all those things.
0: So over the decades, uh, she's really become a symbol of Britain. Many observers have pointed out that most Brits don't know any other monarch but her. Um, how might her passing impact or shape the way they feel about their country?
2: I'm not sure if I'm able to answer this question accurately. I don't follow British politics very much, you know, as mentioned previously. I'm hooked on Korean TV series now. I, but I did study in Australia and most of the Brits I did come across who found, found their way down there uh, were not always so venerable when it came to traditions. Uh, but you know, with Scottish independence referendum, you know, looming in the horizon in 2023 and you know, the perennial push for greater autonomy in Wales, uh, there's a lot of fracturing. And so searching going on, not to mention Brexit, uh, and, and and also the rise of a new female that's uh, a Prime Minister Liz Truss, all these things is uh, showing that you know Britain itself is a changing sort of like society. Uh, beyond that, I I, I have uh, with all the outpouring sympathies uh, on social media, I'm I'm just as clued in as all of you are on what. Uh, the British population that uh, the British people are thinking about.
1: Now, perhaps because of her visibility um, and the prominence of the British royal family, Queen Elizabeth occupied a very particular position in the public imagination. Uh, how has her celebrity and all the iconography surrounding her influenced the way royals and monarchs are viewed around the world?
2: I guess there is definitely an upsurge in popularity uh, and support, uh, and more so. She is probably, we have to sort of like imagine she, she is probably one of the first monarch who had lived through our modern society of spectacle, becoming the most widely photographed queen in British, not just British, but arguably world history, right? Uh, so, you are talking about a queen uh, who uh, ascended the throne in our highly mediatized sort of like world. So, she's not just a figurehead for, you know, a political sort of a like figurehead head of state. She's also an icon. She's a fashion icon on so many levels. She's an icon for various causes, which meanings shifts and changes depending on who you speak to. Uh, so I think uh, it, all this is uh, to, uh, to say that uh, you know, uh, when we think of her iconography, she she represents so many different things to so many different people, and to, get to unpack all of this is gonna not it's not going to be easy. Uh, and therefore, as much as with each passing generation, uh, maybe a younger generation will increasingly find this historical past relevant For those invested in making sense of this complicated legacy of imperialism, I think a passing new will spark a renewal for much needed conversation.
0: And on that then, uh, continuing that thread, in recent years, the question of the relevance of royalty has been a recurring one and I think um, has only strengthened as the Queen has aged. How do you see these conversations continuing to evolve?
2: Uh, Well, there are uh, attractors as well as supporters. I think first of all, in any discussion, here, uh, we need to acknowledge that her passing marks, the passing of two almost entangled things, right? As first a person, uh, but then for better or worse, it is also a passing of an idea or of an age. Uh, sometimes it's difficult to extract the former, of the latter because more, more than a private individual, the queen is also an office as such is a figurehead. Uh, more than a figurehead, she is also an icon in our media sort of like uh, uh, in our media, highly mediatized sort of like society. So uh, therefore, in all that it's sort of like going on and shaping the image of sort of the Queen, I think uh, it also sort of opens up a space for a much more diverse range of views to emerge. So uh, we have one We have two sort of like spectrum on the one hand, supporters and detractors. But in between, there are also uh, ways in which social media have uh, tend to sort of like um, encourage much more whimsical sort of forms of response uh, in the way that she has become memes uh, or that she has been used in. Advertisements. Uh, so I think we have to sort of like consider everything sort of holistically when we want to think of what is actually her cultural legacy and impact in our society over the course of the past 70 years.
1: Yeah, so her death has, of course, also revived criticisms of Britain's colonial legacy. Can you tell us more about that and what people have been saying on that front?
2: Uh, I think there is, uh, on the cheeky end, uh, There are calls for repatriation, uh, renewed calls for repatriation, of course, of artifacts, looted artifacts during uh, the colonial period. But I think, uh, uh, wedded to uh, these sort of like um, calls for the return of objects, are also, uh, I think, uh, a much uh, larger desire to to encourage. us to sort of confront our sort of colonial legacy, right? Because the, um, you know, I I think colonialism has a very sort of like mixed legacy. You have those who have benefited from it. Clearly, people's lives have sort of like changed tremendously. I wouldn't be, a number of us wouldn't be in Malaysia (laughs) were it not for, you know, uh, uh, this imperial past. Uh, So I think talking about this is a, a very difficult sort of issue, but this is a moment that actually opens up an opportunity for us to start telling our own stories. It doesn't have to be always centered on, you know, the queen itself. The queen can be uh, an opening for us to think of, you know, what are the repercussions of these larger forces at work that has brought us together here in Malaysia today as well.
0: And the colonial legacy is particularly relatively fresh for us here in the country right and we are also a member of the commonwealth which is a relationship that the queen in her lifetime placed a lot of emphasis on um so with all that said and also talking earlier about her the way she's viewed globally what kind of relationship does malaysia and do malaysians you think have with the queen as a figure how has that evolved over the years uh
2: i i i'm i i'm not sure if i can sort of like provide a sweeping answer to that. Clearly, if uh, I'm sure when you're on social media, you get a whole spectrum of responses, depending on the subject position of um, uh, the person speaking and, uh, you know, the background and the kind of agenda and the political conviction he or she is, uh, or they are championing. Uh, so uh, it's it's very hard to sort of like say that there's a I know it's very hard to sort of like give an overview of what Malaysians are thinking. I've seen Malaysians uh, generally, I think, being very respectful. Of course, uh, uh, your everyday person would tend to, uh, you know, offer uh, condolences. But uh, uh, perhaps the uh, the type of critical conversation that uh, that could emerge uh, from passing of not just a person, but also an idea, uh, needs a much more sustained forum. And hopefully, you know, platforms like EFM can continue to provide this platform because it should be an ongoing.
1: Talk to us about the times that she has visited Malaysia and the impact that it had at the time, because actually a lot of listeners are also messaging in about past memories of her visits here.
2: Yeah, uh, good one. You know, I had to actually sort of like do my research on that when, when that was one of the questions you feel that uh, what I can gather, because I'm not a, an expert on this topic, is just visited Malaysia three times on three occasions. Uh, the first in 1972, uh, and then also as the head of state of the Commonwealth Association in 1989. And finally, I think this is the most uh, probably the freshest in everyone's memory is during uh, a visit during the sort of Commonwealth Games in 1998. Uh, uh, I think the we each sort of like um, take different things from these visits, uh, from her visit, different stories from her visits. Uh, so the most memorable one for me is always like it's not you know photographs of her on LRT, sitting the LRT, or you know or, or that she. She dined and entertained on uh, the HMY Britannia in Borklein, uh during 1989's Commonwealth Association meeting. Uh, but uh, that she visited uh, my, my my the, the story I like most and it's closest to my heart is the visit to the National the newly built National Art Gallery of Malaysia, where apparently the roof was still leaking. No artworks already there, but they were rushing to sort of like you know. Get the place ready so in order to folks uh, visit. Uh, those are the sort of like little quirky stories that I guess endears her. Uh, and, and, and people like these stories. These are things that sort of live on in people's memory.
0: Simon, we've got uh, a minute left with you. Um, what would you like to leave us with?
2: Um, I, I uh, they were probably the only thing i one to sort of like um, add is that um, probably, have, I mean, it's, I think I've really said what I, uh, the, the main points that I want to say. Uh, trying to unpack all these things is not going to be easy. Uh, you know, with the passing of an age, the funny thing is that increasingly, I do feel that for the younger generation, she's going to be less and less sort of like relevant. However, it is. Uh, uh, if we continue to feel like you know uh, there's important thing to learn from this episode, uh, from her life story, from from the past seventy years, uh, in which uh, uh, you know Malaysia sort of like found its sort own of footing, uh, and we were grappling with the legacies of sort of colonialism, then um, we need to sort of like step up and uh, encourage further conversation so that uh, you know. Uh, enrich our sort of like stories and uh, promote this sort of like history our understanding of this history in a more sort of accurate manner so that we can actually so uh we, we can actually begin the actual discussion on what are the repetitions of the legacy of
1: simon thanks for speaking with us today
2: thank you very much
1: That was Simon Soon, Senior Lecturer in the Faculty of Creative Arts at University Malaya, uh, weighing in and helping us unpack the legacy of Queen Elizabeth II, uh, who passed away yesterday. How are you feeling about the passing? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio.